We're going to continue with our current series, The Holy Who. We've been in, um, this is week six. So six weeks now, we've been on a series on the topic of the Holy Spirit. So we've been taking this series, uh, we kind of built it around this theme verse in John chapter 16, verse 7. And it says this, it says, but in fact, this is Jesus speaking. He says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. He's making this very profound statement. He's saying, it is best for you that I go away so the Holy Spirit can come. Now, we know that Jesus is the all in all, right? He's King Jesus. There's none greater than Jesus, right? But in all of his greatness, he's humbly saying to us that it's best for me to go so the Holy Spirit can come. So what is Jesus actually doing with that statement? Let's look at that for a minute. What is he trying to accomplish with this statement when he says it's best? Because that's a big word. It is best for you. Like the best thing I can give you, the best thing I can do for you is leave. <laughs> so that the Holy Spirit can come. What is he doing? He's validating the importance of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. And he's saying this to us today. As great as you think I am, it's best that I go so the Holy Spirit can come. Isn't that good? So our intentions for this series is to inform you who the Holy Spirit is, what's his role, um, how do we receive him, how do we know we're filled with him? What does it look like? What does life look like after I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? Um, what is this baptism in the Holy Spirit thing? Last week, we, we started with how do I use the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Because not only do we get the Holy Spirit, but he, the Holy Spirit brings gifts for us to use. So <laughs> it's like a, isn't it like God? I mean, not only did he give us Jesus, then he gives us his spirit. It's like, where's the end? Like, he's so good, there's no end to him. So week one, we talked about who's the Holy Spirit. Week two, what is the role of the Holy Spirit? We defined that. Week three, what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Week four, how do I know I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? And week five, how do I use the gifts of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to continue with that topic today. How do I use the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Because this is what we want to do. We not only want to inform you, educate you, but we want to create a hunger inside of you for the things of the Holy Spirit. In other words, when you walk out of here today, I want you to leave hungry. Say, no problem, Pastor. <laughs> I bet you're hungry too. Yep, I am. But I want you to leave hungry, and I want you to leave filled. So let's get into the gifts today got a lot to cover. So there's nine gifts in total um, that we're talking about in this series. And I'm going to put them in three categories just to, just to make them easier to understand. Last week we talked about the discerning gifts, which is a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. And today we're talking about declarative gifts, 
uh, which are prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. And then next week, we're going to wrap the series up with the dynamic gifts, which are faith, gifts of healing, and working of miracles. And then we're going to talk about the anointing that God gives us to operate in these gifts. Sound good? So today we're talking about the declarative gifts. Last week we talked about the discerning gifts. There's a big difference between the two. We'll get into that in just a minute. But these gifts that we've been given, the ones we're talking about in this series, are gifts that are given to us by the Holy Spirit. Um, there's a word in here I want to teach you in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. In other words, Paul is saying you need to be informed about these spiritual gifts. He uses the word spiritual here, which when it's translated comes from the, the root word or the, or the word we are most common, the word we most commonly know is pneumatic or the word pneumaticos, which, is mean, which means this, that something that is driven by air or by wind. Um, you ever heard of a pneumatic tool or an air tool? I mean, you've heard of an air drill. You ever bring your, your car to the, the tire shop and you hear the zip, 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 all that, that's air-powered tools. Um, you have battery-powered tools or electric-powered tools, and they're driven or powered by electricity, but air-powered tools are driven by air. These gifts, watch this, this is very important. These gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us, he's the one who's driving them. He's the one who's empowering them. It's not like you get, have to gain a new skill or you have to muster up some strength to do this. These are gifts that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. More than anything, your greatest wrestle when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit is yielding your heart to be used by God with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I'm not here to teach you how to strain up, build up, energize, or encourage yourself to use these gifts. Because it doesn't come from within you. It's an air-powered gift. It's a Holy Spirit-driven gift. Did I get my point across? He's the one who empowers. This should take some pressure off of you. Right? It should take some pressure off of you. Because it's not you. That's the beautiful thing about God, is when he uses us, it's not us. The only thing we are responsible for is yielding ourselves to him. Amen? <clears throat> sure is quiet in this second service. So what's the difference between a discerning gift and a declarative gift? A discerning gift means it's a gift given to help you perceive, to recognize, or to gain understanding about something. We talked about word of knowledge, how you gain knowledge from heaven. It's, it's not the kind of knowledge uh, you would have gained from anybody else. It's something that only God would have known that he spoke through you. A word of wisdom is, is some wise advice or, a, or a, a solution to a problem or a, 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 a bit of advice to make a decision or wisdom to make a decision. It's something given from God that you couldn't get naturally. Discerning of spirits is the, is the ability to discern or to understand what spirit is in front of you. How many of you know not all spirits are good spirits? Some of them are fruit loops. Right? Some of them ain't holy. 
Okay. You can talk back. I'm so a discerning gift is something that gives us perception, recognition, or helps us to recognize things or gain understanding. A declarative gift, watch this, is a gift given to announce something clearly, firmly, publicly, or officially. It's something that is declared. It has to be spoken out. It's something that, that requires hearing. Um, it's, it's, it requires faith to speak it out, but it requires faith to hear it. It's declarative. One is to help you understand. The other one is to declare something that God's given you to declare. Does that make sense? Are you starting to understand why we broke them into different categories? So these are declarative gifts that we're talking about today. Okay? So, number one, prophecy. I'm going to give you the three gifts, and then I'm going to talk to you at the end about um, the difference between the second gift, ver uh, public versus private, okay? So I've I'm, I'm got a lot to cover, but I'm going to help you understand something today that may be a little foggy for you. Uh, number one, prophecy. What is prophecy? Prophecy is a message of encouragement from God through a person. A message of encouragement from God through a person. Prophecy gives exhortation, it gives comfort, and it gives encouragement. Uh, prophecy requires a stepping out on both parties. So if I'm going to prophesy over Christy, it, it requires me to step out in faith to trust that what I'm hearing is from God and that it's for Christy and I'm just the conduit that God uses to get it to her. It takes me stepping out in faith, yielding myself to the Holy Spirit to say the prophecy or the prophetic word that God wants to say to Christy. Does that make sense? Come on, shake your heads or something. I'm going to give all of you another cup of coffee. Um, it, it requires me stepping out in faith for God to use me to give something to Christy, but then it requires Christy to step out in faith to receive what she's being given. Does that make sense? So, so it requires a, there's a stepping out that is required on both parties. I need to use faith to step out and use the gift. She needs to use faith to step out and receive the gift. Does that make sense? So prophecy requires both people to step out, one to give, one to receive. It's foretelling. It's speaking of something that has to be moved towards. A prophetic word is an encouragement, an exhortation. It brings comfort. It's, it's telling you something that's coming. It's foretelling. It's, it's God's way of helping us. It's God's way of giving us direction at times. It's God's way of causing us to, to get serious about our walk with him at times. Sometimes it's, it's given to us to encourage us to keep going in the direction we're going. It's prophetic. It's a message given from God through a person. Now, many people claim to have the gift of prophecy, but use it wrong. They'll use it to judge other people uh, by saying, thus says the Lord, <laughs> and tagging that to it. Um, they'll, they'll say something. It's like this. So, so when God uses me to prophesy, okay, it's, he gives me a message to go. 
There's something that happens when I get the message. I have a responsibility for it. I got to caution myself to not let my flesh, my understanding, to not let judgment, to not let all these external things come in and cloud up the prophetic word that God wants to give this person, right? In other words, when God gives me a message to give to Christy, I don't need to pollute it with my own things. Some people pollute it with their own things and either through looking at something external or knowing something about somebody uses it as a judgment and they take the prophetic word and twist it to manipulate people. I'm responsible to say only what I hear. Amen? And remember, it's the Holy Spirit who's driving the gift. But it is for building up. It's for encouraging. I'd strongly warn you um, to be careful when you tag, thus says the Lord to anything. Because it's like when, when somebody says, thus says the Lord. It's like, okay, mic drop. Everybody across the room shuts up and listens, right? All right, this is God. It's not often I say, thus says the Lord. A lot of times I say, I feel like God is telling me this. I sense that God is showing me this, right? I'm not a prophet. I'm a Christian filled with God's spirit who prophesies at times. Make sense? So I'm not a prophet. That's not my, my God-given gift. But I prophesy. There's a difference. So I would strongly encourage you not to use thus says the Lord and tag it to anything. I would strongly encourage you not to let your own thoughts, words, deeds, actions, opinions cloud up the word given. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14.31, I want you to hear this today. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. Listen to what he just said. He said, for you can all prophesy. All. <laughs> all. If you're born again and spirit-filled, you can prophesy. When the Holy Spirit gives it to you, amen? You need to be informed about that. Why? Because there may be a moment where God wants to speak to somebody and you happen to be the vessel in that moment, in that situation that he wants to use. And if your heart is yielded to him, then he goes, drop a little prophecy, boom, boom, it hits the person it's supposed to go to, he gets the message delivered, that person's life changes. God's will is accomplished, right? You see it? Paul expects every New Testament believer to be filled with this gift. They, he, he literally spends chapter 12 to chapter 14 talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Three, three chapters in the Bible talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. A few ground rules for prophecy. Uh, first one is, is it tends to come like an impression from God. You may not hear an audible voice, just to make you aware. You may not hear, Jamie... Tell Christy this. <laughs> it's probably not going to happen like that. 
okay? It's going to be an impression. Sometimes you may hear some things. Um, we never claim the authority of God. We just talked about that. Um, another one is it's best to be used when tied to Scripture. Uh, Pastor Randy um, Duga, who comes here uh, every now and then and preaches for me, uh, he, he operates in this gift, or he uses this gift pretty regular. And, and one thing I've learned from watching him and listening to him is that when, when he gets a prophetic word for somebody, he does, he's not just too quick to share it. He gets it, and then he, he, he tends to ask God to give him a scripture to go along with it. <laughs> and this is what's really cool. God usually gives him a scripture to back up the prophetic word that's being said. Why? Why is that important? Because everything balances, everything falls on the authority of God's word. Right? If you receive a prophecy that goes against this, it wasn't from God. Amen? This is your plumb line. We balance and check everything off of God's word or with God's word. Uh, prophecy has a timing to it. Unfortunately, it doesn't usually happen in our timing. <laughs> How many of you have actually received a prophecy before? Show hands. Three, four, five. Wow. Okay. That's good to know. Um, I've been prophesied over probably, I'd say probably ten, nine or ten times. Um, I learned that there's a timing to it. When I was in business, I had some prophecies over my business. And I found myself when I was going through a financial strain in the business, like using the prophecy, like, come on, God, you said, <laughs> you said, to only discover a couple of years later that the prophecy was for that, that this was just a little hiccup in the road that God was going to walk me through, but the prophecy was for a little bit later. So it never happens or rarely happens in your timing. When you receive a prophecy, you need to hang on to it. The Bible says first thing you need to do is test it. Test it and make sure that it lines up with this. Okay? Uh, let me explain that for a second. What does it mean to test it? Well, first you need to make sure it lines up with the Bible. In other words, you need to know your Bible so well when somebody prophesies over you can tell right away. Just thought I would slip that in there. Just a little Bible reading doesn't hurt. Uh, might be good for the common believer. The second thing you need to do is you need to pray over it. The third thing I would do is I would share with somebody who's like a mentor to you. Say, hey, I received a word the other day. What do you think about this? Do not post it on Facebook. You will get confused. <laughs> Amen? I got a word today. The law is good. And before you know it, everybody done shot your word down. Test it. Does that make sense? But yield your heart to be used by God to do that. It's really cool. It's really amazing when you, when you get to experience that gift that God gives you something to give to somebody else. <clears throat> okay. That's prophecy. Number two is tongues. Tongues is a message from God in a language unknown to the person through whom the message comes. It's a message from God in a language 
unknown to the person through whom the message comes. Uh, this is called the manifestation of tongues. It's not your prayer language. There's a difference. This is the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. He's not necessarily talking about your prayer language in tongues. Two different things. I'm going to sort that out at the end. Um, but let's just talk up and focus on the gift right now. He's talking about the gift of tongues. So tongues is very similar to prophecy. They're both a word from God to his people for the purpose of building up. I'm going to keep it as simple as that. A word from God delivered to his people to build them up. Okay, Tongues and prophecy are very similar. The difference is, is prophecy can be understood when it's spoken. Tongues requires interpretation. Okay? So, but tongues itself is powerful. Tongues itself is useful. Tongues itself is like prophecy. It's a message from God to his people. You've probably not heard or seen tongues spoken in this church very often. In fact, it wasn't until last year that I stepped out one Sunday morning. I was here, worship was going on, and I felt God pushing me or, 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 or calling me to step out into something that I was afraid of. Uh, as a Christian, I tend to be a rule follower. I know what the Bible says. I don't want to cross any boundaries. I don't want to freak anybody out. I care about you. Um, so I wrestled. And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to stand, step out and speak in tongues. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know nobody that can interpret. Don't worry about the interpretation. You just step out and speak in tongues. <sighs> Come on, man. So I, I start racking my brain. Who can interpret? Who can interpret? Who can I run to and tell them you better get ready to interpret something? And, and, and it didn't happen. And so worship ended and I came up like I normally do to pray, <clears throat> and I stood here, knees trembling, scared to death because I was worried about messing up, and I just trusted God in that moment, and I spoke out in tongues. It wasn't long. Some of you might have been here and remember that. I spoke out, and then I said this. I said, whoever has the interpretation, you can share it now. And it was crickets. Nobody said nothing. I'm like, oh, man. I was thinking about John and Doc. I was like, come on, man. Y'all leaving a brother hanging. Oh, man. God, what are you doing? And what was only about 30, 40 seconds felt like 10 to 15 minutes. I'm sweating. I spoke out in tongues. Feels like eternities happened. I feel like I look like a fool. And God gave me the interpretation in the moment. And I interpreted the tongue that God gave me. I was so scared, I, I, I didn't even look up. I, just, I was just kind of like, I, I didn't know what happened. My wife and a couple of leaders told me, said, when you spoke in tongues, people started to cry. They said, when you interpreted it, people started to break. And the message was basically God saying to his people that day in that service, I love you. Now, why did he choose to say it that way? It's a good question, isn't it? 
Why does he use prophecy and tongues that require interpretation? Like, what are you doing, God? You're making this thing complicated. Like, what's the deal, Bill? Like, why do we got to have prophecy and tongues? Why can't you just stick with the prophecy? I mean, like, what do we got to do with the tongues and this? I got to interpret. It's complicated. What if the interpreter's not there? Is this, is this making sense? And my answer is this. I don't know. I don't know why he chooses to do it that way. What I do know, though, is that when tongues is given with an interpretation, people tend to listen a whole lot better. It requires the speaker to use a whole lot more faith than he would have if somebody would have just prophesied. It requires more, it attracts more, it makes us focus more and pay attention more. Amen? Because it's something that is rare today, isn't it? But it's helpful. So you've not seen it happen too often. Um, there is an order to it. I'm going to show it to you in 1 Corinthians in just a minute. Uh, the way we tend to operate here is, is we, I'm going to be real honest with you here. We used to lean too heavy on the strict side. Like, like we, we were so strict about making sure it was in order that it never happened. You follow me? And it wasn't until the leaders started to yield their hearts and the service to God that God started to do that. You see it? So as he starts to do that, what happens? The church gets built up. Makes sense? So one of the ways we do it is if, is if anyone in here feels like they have a tongue that they want to share to the church, then you just simply come to a leader, to the pastor, and you just say, hey, I think I got something from the Lord that needs to be said. To which the leader of the pastor would say, what is it? And then they would speak it, whether it's a tongue, whether it's prophecy, whatever it is. And then the pastor would discern whether or not it needs to be said. And then it would be said. This happened to me years and years ago when we were in Jennings. Got to church on Wednesday night, and I just felt impressed in my heart to say something. And so I didn't know what to do with this. So I went to Pastor Bubba and said, hey, I feel like God wants me to say something. He said, okay, what does God want you to say? I said, this is what he wants me to say, and I told him. And he said, that's God. He said, I'll make a spot for you in, in the message today to speak that word. You see, it's not complicated. It just needs to be done in order. Let me show you what Paul says, how it should be done. <clears throat> First Corinthians 14, 12 to 19. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. I've never seen that verse until after I spoke in tongues and interpreted. Listen to it again. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. Which means that the one who speaks in tongues can, not always, but can also interpret. Boom, Pastor Jamie got a revelation. If I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Well, then what should I do? I will pray in the spirit. And I'll also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit. And I will also sing in words I understand. 
For if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join, in, join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? You'll be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. <clears throat> you see how Paul says it? Now, let me remind you, Paul's coming to a church who was so eager for the gifts of the Holy Spirit that they just went buck wild. Like they just, no holes bar. I mean, they just, boom, they just went after it. They're speaking in tongues, they're prophesying, all kinds of crazy things happening. Paul comes in and he brings a little bit of structure and order to it. You can hear it in his, you can hear his language in those verses. Or he brings a little bit of structure and order to it. He cleans it up for him and says, okay, I want you to use them. And that's what I'm trying to get across today. You need, we all need to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let's just do it right. We'll make some mistakes. That's okay. There's grace. There's room for that. But let's start using them. And that's what Paul's saying here. So speaking in tongues is powerful in itself, but unless it is interpreted, it causes confusion and draws attention unnecessarily to someone. The biggest difference between tongues and prophecy is that one is understood and the other one needs interpretation. But both of them, get this, both of them are a message from God to his people with the purpose of building up. Got it? Number three, interpretation of tongues. <clears throat> interpretation of tongues is understanding and expressing the thought or the intent of the message in tongues. It's understanding it, and it's expressing the thought or the intent of the message in tongues. It's an interpretation, watch this, not a translation. Big difference. An interpretation is something where somebody takes what you said, and they take the thought or the idea or the intent, and they speak that. A translation is when somebody takes every word you say, and they translate it word for word. Does that make sense? So it's an interpretation. So you may hear, that means this, you may hear 50 words in tongues and only hear God would say that he loves every one of you. It's an interpretation, not a translation. Does that make sense? <clears throat> How many of you have actually heard somebody speak in tongues? Okay, good. Hopefully it didn't freak you out. It freaked me out the first time. But I quickly realized it was something bigger than me. It was, it was God. 1 Corinthians 14. Paul says, Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Listen carefully. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Look at me. Everybody look at me. You, every one of you, are going to have to do something with that verse today. My friends, that is God's word to every one of us today. And you will have to do something about that sooner or later. 
So you can choose to stay back and be afraid. You can choose to stay back and not get in trouble. You can choose to stay back and not step out in anything. Or you can choose to trust that God's word is infallible and step out into something that you're uncomfortable with and watch and experience what God does. But either way, we're going to have to deal with that right there. I want all to speak in tongues. But even more to prophesy. <laughs> Whew. I just feel like saying, I'm not going to say it. No matter your religious background, oh, I leaned on my religious background for a long time when I was ducking the gifts of the Holy Spirit. See, my religious background says that tongues and gifts of the Spirit ceased one day. They didn't come out and say it, but that was the understanding. Because everything that was taught, everything that was learned was, was, was without, it's like everything stopped at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's like, man, you're rolling good. Jesus saved me. His spirit's alive inside of me. Hit the brakes. We don't do that no more. I kid you not, that's, how, that's the way I was raised. It's my religious upbringing. And it messed me up for a long time. But God broke that. God revealed to me the best way. Some people take this verse and say, well, the prophesy, to prophesy is greater than to speak in tongues. And that's not true. Prophecy is greater than tongues if there's no interpretation because prophecy accomplishes its goal, tongues doesn't. But buddy, as soon as interpretation comes, it accomplishes the same thing that prophecy would have accomplished. Amen? So that one's not greater than the other. They're both great. Just one requires interpretation. You see it? So the, the one prophesying is not greater than the one speaking in tongues if there's interpretation. God wants all of us to speak in tongues and prophesy. Why? So we could be known as that church? <laughs> oh, that's that church. Well, if that's what it takes, then I'll be known as that church. But the real reason why God wants us to speak in tongues with interpretation and prophesy is because of his purpose for those gifts. His purpose for those gifts is to build up the body. Are you seeing this? It's to build up the body. You know what God's really trying to say today? Listen to the heart of God. He gave me this when I was writing this message. This is what he's saying to us today. I wish my people would build each other up. I wish they would quit tearing each other down and start building each other up. I wish somebody would learn how to encourage somebody. I wish somebody would learn how to understand when I'm leaning on you to call somebody and call them and encourage them. I wish you would, you would begin to speak life into other people. Tell them how good they look. Tell them how strong they are. Tell them how great of a God they serve. Amen? That's what the gifts are for. That's what God's saying to us today. I've given you gifts to build each other up, but you're not doing it. 
What would this church right here look like if we made a decision today to quit looking at people's failures and focusing on their past and start to declare the works of God over them and encourage them and tell them to get back up, bro. You're going to make it. Keep on going. I know you got offended. I know you got your feelings hurt. But come on, God's bigger than that. Let's keep going. Amen. Instead of seeing somebody who's down and then just going, oh, well, hope you get up. Good luck with that. I'm praying for you. Well, I appreciate you praying for me, but how about you come give me a hand? How about you speak a word of life over me? How about you get a gift and prophesy? How about you get a tongue? How about you get an interpret? I need something from God. What would your marriage look like? Oh, yeah, you're better straighten up. What would your marriage look like if we would start building each other up? Woo, Pastor Jamie, you was doing good until then. What would happen instead of calling her your old lady? You start calling her beautiful. You start calling her fine. My wife and I was going to a funeral yesterday. I was a little bit dressed up. She was really dressed up. I was like, mm. We was on 190 driving. No kids in the car. I was like, girl, you fine. I said, you look good. She said, I put on some weight. I said, I love all of it. <laughs> what would happen if we would learn to build one another up? Because that's what God's saying to us today. What would the church look like if we took this seriously? Like if I took a serious responsibility over this whole thing and said that and made this statement to God, God, I yield my life to you today. Use me to build the people around me up. What would happen if I took that serious? If I woke up every morning and I said, God, use me today. I yield myself to you. I submit myself to you. I offer myself to you today. Fill me. Use me today. You know what would happen? Not only would people get built up, not only would the church get built up, but you would get built up. You know why? Because your life would go from being working for a check and being bored out of your mind trying to be a good Christian to, bro, this junk is real. Oh, my goodness. God, what? Are you kidding me? I'm getting up tomorrow morning doing it again. Are you nuts? This is good stuff. Maybe I just expect too much. <laughs> so who brought up this whole idea of a spiritual language anyway? Like Who introduced that? Jesus did in Mark chapter 16. Listen to what Jesus said, verse 17. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. Isn't that good? Thank you, John. 
John thinks it's good. Nobody else does. So let me give you three incorrect historical views uh, concerning speaking in tongues. And I've got to move a little bit fast here. So three incorrect. In other words, these aren't right. These are just incorrect views of speaking in tongues. Number one, speaking in tongues is the only evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. That is wrong. Some people say that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not filled. Wrong again. I'm going to prove it to you in Scripture. Acts chapter 9. I'm going to prove it to you with Paul. In this verse, he was still Saul. His name hadn't gotten transferred yet or changed, but listen to this. Acts chapter 9, 17, 18 says, So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me to, to, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Two purposes Ananias came. One was that Paul would regain his sight, and secondly, that Paul would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, so now he could see, number one was accomplished, and then he gained it, and he gained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. Second thing was accomplished, and took food, and he was strengthened. What is it not saying? When Paul got filled with the Holy Spirit, he spoke in tongues. Paul did not speak in tongues. But if you know your Bible, you know that Paul speaks in tongues. In fact, he said a couple verses before this, I wish you all spoke in tongues as much as I do. So, speaking in tongues is not the only evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. This should make all of you who have been prayed over time and time again to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you are hoping to speak in tongues, this should make you feel better. But don't let it become an excuse. <laughs> Where you start going, well, I'm just waiting around, you know, God's taking his time, giving him prayer language. Earnestly desire, the Bible says. Second incorrect view is that speaking in tongues needs to be in a language that others can understand. <clears throat> it's not true. It, it, it can happen. It happened on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, when they prayed, there was many different nations that heard their language. I know some folks that have prayed in tongues or spoken in tongues at times, and it's been in a different language that they didn't even know. But it's very rare. Way more often you hear people pray in tongues in an unknown language. But let's see what the Bible has to say. Acts chapter 2, when this happened, it says both Jews, proselytes, Cretans, and Arabians... Uh, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So they heard it in their own languages. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Paul declares, or he, he, he makes clear that you can speak in, in the tongues of men and of the tongues of angels. You see it? So there's two. So it's not exclusively a different language. In fact, it's rare that that happens, but it can happen. Number three, the third incorrect view is that speaking in tongues has ceased. This is what I talked to you about a little while ago. Uh, it has not ceased. It, in fact, it's needed today more than ever. Can I get a good amen for that? It's needed today more than ever. In Acts chapter 2, Peter said this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and your children and for all 
who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. It has not ceased. It will not cease until Jesus comes back. Amen? All right. Let me wrap it up with this. Let me show you the difference between public and private tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14, Paul shows us the difference between private and public tongues. Public tongues require interpretation. That's the manifestation of tongues. That's when somebody speaks out in a tongue, and then and either that person or somebody else interprets it, interprets it, and then it becomes like prophecy, and it's a word given to build people up. That's the public. The private tongue is your prayer language. Every believer will be, every believer will be given a prayer language to pray. It's a spiritual language. It's called praying in tongues. It's not speaking in tongues. It's praying in tongues. I'm going to prove it to you scripturally, the difference between the two. So in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, I wish you all spoke in tongues as much as I do, right? Um, he indicates that there's a difference between the devotional use and the public use of tongues in a person's life. Paul goes, to write on, goes on to write in, in Romans chapter 8 of the private use of tongues as a devotional language. Watch this, Romans 8 verse 26. This is the private. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Okay, does that make sense? So, how many of you would agree you don't always know what to pray for, or even how to pray? I mean, sometimes I think I know how to pray, or what I need to pray, but I'll be honest with you, sometimes if I'm real with myself, I've got weaknesses and I don't know what to pray. Amen? Praying in tongues is the Holy Spirit praying through you the perfect will of God. Why do we need that? Because we don't always know the perfect will of God, right? But the Holy Spirit does, doesn't he? So Paul's showing us the praying in tongues part. It's praying the perfect will of God. When you don't know what or how to pray, pray in tongues. Listen to me very carefully. If you've received your prayer language, you need to pray. You need to use it often. I probably pray in tongues more than I pray in English. Why? Because I need a whole lot of building up. I need a whole lot of help. I'm weak. I got weaknesses. I leak. Right? Some days, some weeks, I give out so much that I don't take enough time to refill myself. So I pray in tongues, sometimes on the go. I could be going from a counseling session to a marriage session or going into a Bible study, and I'm like running on fumes. But if I pray in tongues along the way, I'm praying God's perfect will over me. It's the Holy Spirit who's praying through me. What are the repercussions? I get built up. God's perfect will gets prayed over my life. I need that. Amen? 
So what are the benefits of a spiritual language? Two of them real quick and I'm gonna wrap this up. Here's the first benefit. Personal encouragement. How many of you could use some encouragement? Come on, somebody. Yeah, you didn't raise your hand. You need to be encouraged right now. <laughs> you could use, <laughs> I'm just picking. You can, you, you, we all need personal encouragement. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Listen to me. People will let you down, but the Holy Spirit is always ready to build you up. Come on, the reason social media is so big today, why? Because people are trying to find encouragement in all the wrong places, right? They're looking for love in all the wrong places, right? They, they'll post something, and then they're watching. Ooh, 10 likes. Ooh, a comment. Oh, I like that. I like the comment. Trying to find encouragement, Can I tell you that's a lonely, desperate place to be? You want me to tell you how I know? Because I struggle with it too. Let me, let me make a little confession to you. Uh, since COVID hit, I've been doing a lot of uh, online teachings on Facebook. And I enjoy them. They're really fun. I like to get on there and then you just see people popping up and we chat a little bit and, you know, make fun, ask stupid questions. And then I teach. Right, and then I pray. And I'm telling you, every time I'm finished, something inside of me goes, how many people? It's like this voice goes, how many people? How many did you get today? And so here's my fight. I'm just being honest with you. Here's my fight. I'll, I'll end the video, and I'll hit home, and I'll go, 85. Boom, 85. Yes, sir. Yesterday I had 76. Got 85 today. That's lonely and desperate, y'all. No, I am, but I'm dependent on that to find encouragement, right? Right? That's my point. I'm trying to find encouragement from the wrong places. It's a sickness. You know what I'm doing about it? I'm asking God to take it away from me. Why? Because my dependence is not on anything else but him. Only he can encourage me. Only he can build me up. Look less, pray more. Come on, somebody. Stop scrolling and start praying. I know none of you wrestle with that, but that was just my issue. So now you know how to pray for your pastor or talk behind my back. It doesn't matter. So he who speaks in the tongues edifies himself. Jude 120 says this, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, building up, building up, building up, building up, personal encouragement. Number two, the second benefit of spiritual language is enablement in prayer. Like I said a little while ago, I don't know what to pray for, but you know what? I want my prayers to work. I'm on a couple of groups on a group me app and one of them is a prayer group and a lot of times we, we'll throw prayer requests on there and people say, I'm praying. Well, that's great that you type in, I'm praying. But I got a burden to not just type it in but to actually pray and then to work. Amen? I don't want to waste my words and I don't want to be a, 
one of those kind of Christians. Oh, I'm praying for you, brother. He ain't prayed. I want to be somebody that when I pray, things happen. There's a burden in me. So Paul says again in Romans 8, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. By the way, all of us have weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us. Come on, Jen. I'm done. So what are the declarative gifts? Prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. If it's a, if it's a public tongue that's given, it needs to be interpreted. Now, if it's not interpreted... People aren't going to die. There just may be some confusion there, okay? But if there is interpretation, the Bible promises that the, that the saints of the church will be built up. And then there's your private prayer language that all of us need. Can I say that again? All of us need. say something to you today and you might want to write this down <clears throat> something I feel like God showed me in writing this message a spirit filled believer gets to pray in tongues he doesn't have to Can you accept that today? That we get to pray in tongues. That we get to get the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We get to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What happens when we refuse? What happens when we don't yield our hearts? What happens when we hoard this thing inside of us and we don't step out in faith and trust God to use it through us? What happens? Not only do we suffer, but people suffer. The older I get, the more I'm starting to feel the conviction and the burden to make every day count. The last two funerals I've done have been people that have died all of a sudden. It's affecting me. It's making me consider that every, every day counts. Every day matters. And instead of trying to take every day to please myself, what if I'll take every day and please God? If I'll take every day and use my life, yield it to Him, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to reach the world around me. And you know what happens? When that day comes and my life is over, however it happens, there'll be rejoicing. It'll be a good day. Because my life was full. My life had purpose. My life had meaning. And my life accomplished things. as often as I want to. I get to prophesy. I get to interpret tongues. 
I get a word of knowledge sometimes. I get a word of wisdom sometimes. I get discernment of spirits sometimes. These are all blessings to my life. Listen to me. What are they called? They're called gifts. They're gifts from a good God, a good Father, who only wants good for us. Why in the world would we refuse to receive the gifts that He has for us? Why are you holding back? What's holding you back? Is it that you're afraid? Is it that you're unsure? Is it that you don't know? Is it that you just, ah, I can't. I don't know, I can't. I'm having a hard time stepping out. What is it that's holding you back? Because I'm praying against that today. Because these are good gifts from a good father for you to do good with. It's all good. It's all good. So I want a couple leaders to come to the front this morning. We'll give you an opportunity to get prayed over if you want to. I want every one of us to be filled with the Spirit. I want every one of us to use the gifts that the Holy Spirit empowers in us. If there's something holding you back today, the only thing I'm asking you to do is to stand up, get out of your seat, Walk to the front and let somebody pray for you and see what happens. So as I start praying, the invitation is open. I encourage you to do so today. God, I come to you this morning thankful for this message, thankful for this word, thankful for what you're doing in and through us. God, I praise you today. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. He's my helper. He's my encourager. My comforter. My great counselor. Jesus, you said it's best that you leave so that he can come. He must be something. Man, he must be something. Thank you, God, that you're showing me how incredible the Holy Spirit is. I pray that every one of us today would open our hearts and our minds to being filled with the Holy Spirit. So today, right now, God, I come against every fear, every anxiety, every uh, unknown thing, every um, every everything that would hold us back, every stronghold in the mind. I, I tear it down right now in the name of Jesus. And I just say, God, would you just begin to draw us to you? God, I say right now that everything that's holding anybody back would be fall, would fall to the ground in the name of Jesus. And that, God, there would be an open heaven right now for every person here today. I pray for the one or the two or the three that need to step up right now. They need to get out of their seat. They need to walk to the front and ask somebody to pray for them. Father that gives good gifts. You don't give bad gifts. You don't give gifts to harm us. You give good gifts to accomplish your goodwill on this planet. 
God, I thank you for that today. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for being the gracious God that you are. So ready, so willing to fill us fresh and new every day. God, sometimes we just get in bad spots. Sometimes we just get in lonely places. Sometimes we stray away. Sometimes we wander off. But Jesus is the good shepherd who will leave the 99 to get the one. That's you today, and you want to be refilled, and you want to just come back to God and just make a new commitment today. I, I encourage you to get up out of your seat. If you're tired, sick and tired of being sick and tired, the same old, same old. And you're getting bored with Christianity. You're getting tired of trying to be good enough. You want somebody to pray for you. I encourage you to get out of your seat today. Whoever you are, this is a moment. We're family.
you give me an experience that'll mark my life forever. Now God, I thank you for this moment. Thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you for your word that is sharper than any two-edged sword to pierce even the hardest hearts, God. Thank you for that. I bless you today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thank you so much.